Let's chat about how to get what you need for your home when you don't have a lot of cash or credit. You can do that at Aaron's. Rent to own appliances, furniture, and tech from top brands like HP, Samsung, and Ashley. But say you don't need it anymore, no problem. At Aaron's, you can return your product at any time or even upgrade it for something new. Life's always changing. With Aaron's, your stuff can change right along with it. Keep it, return it, upgrade it. Aaron's fits your life instead of the other way around. Approval isn't guaranteed and some restrictions apply. See your local store for details. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It's an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick in the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Hey everybody, this is John Middlecoff from 3 and Out with John Middlecoff, Superchargers, Headlights, and more. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. With over 122 million parts and eBay guaranteed fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Or your money back. Plus, with prices that don't break the bank, you can stay on your A-game. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The Volume. All right, welcome to Hoops Tonight here at The Volume. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hope you guys are all having a good start to your week. We are live on AMP. So if you're watching on YouTube or listening on the podcast feed, don't forget that AMP is the very first place that you guys can get these shows. We are continuing our player rankings today with number nine, Jimmy Butler. Been getting a lot of crap about putting Luka at 10. We're going to talk a little bit about that as well. I also am going to give a little bit of a breakdown of why I use specific shooting percentages in specific situations and give a little breakdown of what true shooting percentage means. You guys know the drill before we get started. Subscribe to The Volume's YouTube channel so you don't miss any more of our videos. Follow me on Twitter at underscore JasonLT so you guys don't miss any show announcements. And if for whatever reason you miss one of these videos and you can't get back over to YouTube to finish, don't forget you can find them wherever you get your podcasts under Hoops Tonight. All right, let's talk some basketball. So really quick on the Lucas stuff. Um, I figured this was going to happen. No matter who I put at number 10, uh, that entire fan base was going to be pissed off. That was just the way this was going to work. Again, I encourage you Luka Doncic fans, you Dallas Mavericks fans, to look at the people above him on this list. Like, Steph won finals MVP last year. You know, uh, Giannis was considered the best player in the world by most people last year. Jokic won finals MVP this year. Kevin Durant is Kevin freaking Durant. Everyone else, deep playoff runs. You know, LeBron, Western Conference Finals. Anthony Davis, Western Conference Finals. Tatum, Eastern Conference Finals. Jimmy Butler, three wins away from an NBA championship. Joel Embiid just won the league MVP award. So any one of those guys gets put below Luka, and those fan bases are going to be pissed off, which is kind of the nature of these lists, and I get it. I, I try to tell you guys, like, I view everyone on this list super close, particularly within these tiers, right? I look at 
one through three is all kind of really close to each other. I look at four through 12 is really close to each other. And I look at 13 through 39 with all my honorable mention guys is really close to each other. To be honest, like I have Jimmy Butler at nine today, still don't know who I'm going to put at number eight. I'm torn between two guys and I've literally gone back and forth on it a million times and I still don't know. And I'm going to sleep on it one more time and we'll see how I feel tomorrow. But I see these guys as all super close. Do I, do I think uh, Luka Doncic is capable of outplaying anybody on the higher end of this list? Of course. He's Luka Doncic. I know what he's capable of. But at the end of the day, like, we play the games for a reason. I, I Everything is – if we don't value winning, then everything is theoretical. And basketball is not theoretical. It's a game that you try to win. And so for the purpose of my list, I'm going to give the nod – to winning in a lot of these situations. And so with Luka Doncic having missed the playoffs entirely in a field that has 20 of the 30 teams make the NBA playoffs, despite him playing in, what, 65 games or whatever he played in this year, like, I gave him the bottom spot on that list. That's that's just the way that I did it. I understand where you guys are coming from, but don't take it. This The 10th best player in the league in the year 2023 is not the same as the 10th best player in the league in the year 2013. The league is utterly stacked with talent. I have Damian Lillard at 14 in my list. And like all the guys above him have good cases to be there. That's just the nature of how stacked this league is. I do not dislike Luka Doncic. I tried to give you guys a full breakdown yesterday of all the different things that I feel about him, the things I like, the things that I'm not particularly a fan of. But at the end of the day, I'm certainly aware of how incredibly good he is at basketball. And quite frankly, I expect him to be much higher on the list next year. And you know what? We'll reward him for that when we get to that point. Um, on that note, let's move on with number nine on our list. Jimmy Butler, season recap. He played in 64 games this season. That's the most he's played in a single season since 2019. He averaged 23 points per game, which was the second highest mark of his career. He did average 24 points per game in 2017 with the Chicago Bulls, but he played about four additional minutes per game in that season. So on a per 36 basis, uh, Jimmy actually averaged 25 points per game this year, which was the highest mark of his career. So per minute scoring, mo- the highest volume scoring season of his career, and 64.7% true shooting, which is the highest mark of his career and utterly off the charts good. That's like Steph Curry type of true shooting percentage performance from Jimmy Butler. So what I wanted to do is uh, take a couple of minutes here to uh, to take a break from Jimmy and, and talk about true shooting percentage and what it means because uh, I've had several people ask about it and you guys see me always throw out all these stats on this show. You, you hear me, you'll hear me throw out offensive rating, defensive rating. That's just points per 100 possession. All that is is the scoreboard weighted for pace. You'll hear me throw out points per possession on play types. All that does is take every single pick and roll that Steph Curry runs and how many points they score. It's just a simple equation of when Steph Curry either shoots out a pick and roll or passes out a pick and roll, how many points do they score? It's a good way for me to measure play types, right? But then we have field goal percentage, effective field goal percentage, and true shooting percentage. And all three of them, I think, serve a purpose. So I want to give a quick breakdown of what true shooting percentage means and why I use specific percentages in certain situations. So first of all, true shooting percentage, the actual equation, all it is, is half of your total points divided by the number of true shooting attempts you had in that game. Your true shooting attempts is just the number of field goals you attempted 
plus the number of free throws you attempted times 0.44. And the simplest way I could break that down to you is to say that true shooting percentage is just a field goal percentage that is weighted for both threes and free throws. Because guess what? If I beat my man off the dribble and he hacks me on the arm as I go up for a layup and I miss the layup, it doesn't count as a field goal attempt. But if I go to the line and I make both free throws, that is equally as valuable as if I drove to the basket and made a left-handed layup while not getting fouled, right? So true shooting percentage, in my opinion, is a very valuable stat for us to actually factor in all the different ways that a player can score a basketball, right? So let's let's talk about each of the three percentages and why I think each of them have value. So first of all, true shooting percentage is just field goal percentage weighted for threes and free throws. Effective field goal percentage is just field goal percentage weighted for threes. And field goal percentage is just your total number of field goal attempts um, and the percentage you made those specific field goal attempts regardless of type, right? Here's why I value each. Why would I think of it this way? Why would a field goal percentage matter? So if I went, you know, seven for 20 from the field, but I made seven threes, then I scored 21 points on 20 shots, which is going to be a pretty good effective field goal percentage over 50%, right? But I missed 13 shots. A missed shot isn't just a failure to score the basketball. It's a rebound, often a long rebound on shots that are lower percentage further away from the basket. Long rebounds give opportunities for defenses to attack and transition the other way, especially on corner three-point shots or layups missed at the rim. Why? Because in those situations, the offensive player is all the way at the baseline and in a disadvantageous position to get back in transition defense. So field goal percentage has value in the sense that if you're a scorer that has a really low field goal percentage, but a really high true shooting percentage, often there is a defensive price to be paid for all of those missed shots. So field goal percentage has value in this discussion. Effective field goal percentage, in my opinion, is your is the best indicator of your ability to actually put the ball in the basket, right? So in a scenario where you're not getting the benefit of a whistle, how good are you at actually putting the ball in the basket? It's the value of all field goals, but it only counts field goals, not free throws. I use this one particularly on specific shot types. So for instance, pull-up jump shooting. There are a lot of pull-up jump shooters that shoot really high percentages, but don't ever take pull-up threes. And so even though they shoot good percentages on pull-up jump shots, their value on them is not great. Then there are a lot of guys like Steph Curry and Damian Lillard who take a ton of pull-up threes, right? And those guys are going to have lower field goal percentages on pull-up jump shots, but they're going to have higher effective field goal percentages. So on specific shot types, particularly pull-up shooting, you're going to, you guys are going to hear me say uh, effective field goal percentage a lot, catch and shoots and in uh, pull-up jump shooting situations. For example, Kevin Durant, Joel Embiid, and Shea Gilgis-Alexander are all guys that take a ton of pull-up twos, but very rarely take pull-up threes. So their field goal percentages are pretty high. But the, the, their uh, effective field goal percentage on those, shot, on those shots is relatively low. This is the best example I can give you. Steph Curry was only a 44% pull-up jump shooter last year. Kevin Durant was a 55% pull-up jump shooter in Brooklyn last year. That's an 11% gap. But because Steph almost exclusively takes pull-up threes, 
His effective field goal percentage on pull-up jump shots was 61% to just 60% for Kevin Durant. So that's kind of the value of effective field goal percentage. You're going to primarily hear me reference that one in relation to catch-and-shoot shooting and pull-up jump shooting because there's a delineation between long twos and threes, right? True shooting percentage, in my opinion, is the best overall marker of efficiency for a score because it factors in all three. And remember, getting to the foul line is immensely valuable to your basketball team. Why? The exact opposite of the concept we were talking about on missed shots. Missed shots by transition opportunities for the opposing team, right? So the 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 goal is to get your defense set, right? Because when your defense is set, you've got an on-ball defender, you've got the two guys one pass away playing in the passing lanes, and you have the two guys on the back line loaded up in the paint. That's your shell drill, right? When your defense is set, it's very hard to score on you. When you're not set and the help defenders are spaced out, locating their man in transition or simply not back, there are a lot bigger gaps for uh, the offense to attack. Or a lot of times people fail to pick up the ball and the guy will drive the length of the floor and get a good look for himself in one way or another, right? So getting your defense set is vitally important. The best way to get your defense set, take a guess, is a dead ball situation, right? So out of bounds, timeout, end of the quarter, anything where the ball is being inbounded, right? But what is the second best situation to set your defense? It's a free throw. Because in a free throw situation, should you choose to, you could have four players back on defense. But even if you have two players in offensive rebound position, typically you're going to put um, uh, either a very gifted offensive rebounder or put your guards up there so they can pick up ball pressure. You're going to have three guys back or two guys back ready. And in a position to set your defense quicker than usual, right? And then the third best situation to set your defense is an actual made basket. Still opportunity to push the ball in transition in those situations. But in a made basket, they have to take the ball out of the net, get behind the ba- uh, the baseline, and then inbound it so you buy yourself some time there. So in my opinion, true shooting percentage, even though there's a downside to guys that are just purely foul grifters and the way that can affect your offense – Overall, it's a beneficial thing for your team because if you get to the foul line, you get to set your defense, which makes it more likely for you to get a stop, which helps you get out and transition yourself. That that you know kind of chain reaction in a lot of cases can be started by getting to the foul line. Not only that, it disrupts the rhythm of the opponent's offense. They're trying to get into a groove, and they can't because they're constantly fouling you and sending you to the foul line and standing around for 10, 15 seconds at a time, right? Um. But there are a lot of guys in the NBA who put up great true shooting percentage numbers, but they struggle to do that in the playoffs, right? This is not exactly super uncommon. This is the Trey Young effect. This is the James Harden effect, right? Why is that, do you guys think? In my opinion, it's because if you have a great true shooting percentage, but a gap between your true shooting percentage and your actual shooting percentages, that implies, by the math, that you rely more on making long-distance jump shots, and by getting to the foul line. If you have a smaller gap between your efficiency in true shooting percentage and your actual field goal percentages, that means that you don't rely as much on long-distance jump shot result and getting to the foul line, getting a good whistle, right? And so I think a lot of times you will see players that have those large gaps, really high true shooting percentages, but low field goal percentages, you'll see them be much more prone to inconsistency in the playoffs because if they don't get a whistle on any given night, they suffer in the scoring. If they don't have their long distance jump shot going, they end up suffering in the scoring. The best example of this that I can give you guys is LeBron James 
and James Harden. And I have a couple of crazy stats that I'm going to uh, give you guys just to kind of break this down. So we are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It is an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and number one pick in the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. CJ will bring his A-list comedian buddies to keep it light and fire off some hoops takes. Plus, John will be inviting current and former NBA players, friends, and teammates to join the show as well to give their unfiltered accounts of what really goes on in the league from a player's perspective. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep expert. (sighs) Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Oh, such a clutch pickup, Dave. I know, right? I was worried we'd bring back the same team. Oh, no, I meant those blackout motorized shades. MVP of the room. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. Even you could do it. Nice. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. What, you fly across the country to do the install? Nope. Blinds.com can do it all. All she had to do was pick what she wanted. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Look at you, Hall of Fame son. Oh, I just picked the winning team. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Oh, Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. He shoots. He scores. Go to Blinds.com for 40% off site-wide and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go right now for 40% off site-wide at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. LeBron is considered the most consistent playoff performer of this era. In the regular season, for his career, he's 51% field goals, 55% effective field goals, 58% true shooting. In the postseason, he's 50% field goals, 54% effective field goal percentage, and 58% in true shooting. He doesn't rely too much on getting to the foul line, and he doesn't rely too much on long-distance shooting. And so the output, instead of being super up and down, is pretty consistent, right? James Harden is considered the worst playoff performer of this era. He is a regular season career field goal percentage of 44%, effective field goal percentage of 63%, or excuse me, 53%, and a true shooting percentage of 61%. So the gap for LeBron between his his actual field goal percentage and his true shooting percentage is only 7%. For James Harden, it's 17%. So he relies a great deal on the whistle and long-distance shot result to get the scoring that he needs. As a result of that, 
he's really inconsistent. If his step back three isn't going, he could have a bad game. If he doesn't get the whistle that he wants, he can have a bad game. Here's the final stat I'm going to read to you guys. LeBron James has played in 282 career playoff games. In those 282 games, he has failed to score 20 points just 30 times. 30 times in 282 games. That means he will have a bad game in terms of scoring output about one out of every 10 times. In fact, even though he was in his 20th season this year, it happened to him just once this entire postseason. Old LeBron just one time this postseason. In what was that, uh, 17 games? One out of 17 times. Even if we take James Harden's Oklahoma City years completely out of the equation when he was coming off the bench in inconsistent minutes and, and, and he was super young, right? Not the player that we think of James Harden as now. Let's take those games out. Just looking at the Houston years and the Brooklyn years and everything since, right? In the Philly years. He's played in 117 playoff games. James Harden has failed to score 20 points in 31 of those 117 playoff games. More than a fourth of the time. More times than LeBron in about a third as many games. Think about how crazy that is. James Harden, more than a fourth of the time, is going to go out and not score 20 points in a playoff game. Because if his step back three isn't going, and if he's not getting the whistle, that's where you're seeing the gap in the true shooting percentage and the field goal percentage manifest itself in the playoffs in inconsistency of result. And so that's why, like, again, you're going to see me use them in specific situations, but each one of them has value. True shooting percentage, you're going to see me use that for full seasons, particularly playoff runs and playoff series as well for scorers. And I'm going to be really paying close attention to how that affects you in the postseason. Effective field goal percentage, more on jump shot result. Long distance twos versus threes, right? So catch and shoots and pull-up shooting situations. Field goal percentage, I'm going to use that mostly on shot types. What's your field goal percentage on hooks? What's your field goal percentage on floaters? What's your field goal percentage at the rim? What's your field goal percentage on specific, like, oh, a fadeaway jump shot over your right shoulder out of the post? You know, those are the situations where I find field goal percentage more useful. Also, as a team, field goal percentage is super value. How often as a team do you have an opportunity to set your defense? But they each have specific value in these discussions. Again, it's not an exact science. To quote my friend Mark Titus, basketball is an art, not a science. And so this isn't perfection. Everyone's kind of got a different way of looking at it. I don't think an equation or or stat is ever going to perfectly encapsulate a basketball player, but we do the best we can with the tools we have at our, at our disposal. And hopefully that little rant will help you guys understand how I look at things in the statistical realm for shooting percentages. All right, let's get back to Jimmy Butler. So 64.7% true shooting. For a season. That is a truly great number. By far the best mark of his career. Solid shot creation season on a point per possession basis as well. 1.04 points per possession in pick and roll. That's 71st percentile. 1.10 points per ISO on good volume. He actually qualified for our 250 ISO list. So out of the 25 players to run at least 250 ISOs this season, Jimmy Butler ranked 7th in points per possession above the likes of Luka Doncic, Kawhi Leonard, and Kevin Durant on that list. Also, 1.01 points per post-up, which is slightly above average. Shot making was also really good. 56% effective field goal percentage on catch-and-shoot jumpers, although super low volume, kind of similar to Luka, doesn't take a lot of catch-and-shoot threes. But he is super active in spot-up situations. He likes to drive closeouts. 47% effective field goal percentage on pull-up jump shots. 
uh, mostly twos, ton of mid-range pull-ups. His actual field goal percentage is just 45%, so very small gap there because he's not taking any threes. 47% on floaters, 56% on hooks, and 62% at the rim. So as a shot maker, he's one of the better guys in the league. Then he had this super interesting playoff run. Completely obliterated and embarrassed Giannis Antetokounmpo and the Milwaukee Bucks. He scored 98 points in the final two games of the series, including a ton of clutch shots. To give you an example... There, uh, in all the clutch minutes of the series, Jimmy Butler scored 21 points, and the Bucks as a team scored 24 points. So Jimmy almost by himself outscored the Bucks in clutch situations in that series. He finished the series averaging 38, 6, and 5 on 60% from the field and 44% from three, which translates to a 65% effective field goal percentage and 67% true shooting percentage, for those of you guys keeping track from earlier. By the way, not a huge true shooting gap because uh, didn't shoot well when he got to the foul line in that series. Missed a lot of, of uh, free throws. But really, not a bad start to a playoff run. Ridiculous stat line, two massive games, almost complete, like just completely dominate the series in clutch situations, and you did it to the number one overall seed, and you did it to the guy that most people considered the best player in the world at the time. So again, Luka Doncic fans, when you're, when you're thinking about who you should put below Luka, just... Think about the things that the players above him accomplished in this particular season and how they would feel if the if the roles were reversed. Now, after that series, Jimmy Butler kind of returned back to the normal Jimmy. He's kind of a guy that also relies on a lot of pull-up jump shots and, and getting to the foul line. And so he has a tendency to miss shots some nights and not get the calls some nights, and that can hurt his scoring. And so you saw that he... Uh, uh, this year, he uh, failed to score 20 in four of the final 18 playoff games. Um, kind of similar to what happened last year, remember, where he had two random single-digit scoring games in the Eastern Conference Finals. The Heat in this postseason were undefeated when Jimmy scored 30 or more points. That was in five games, but they were 2-4 and four when he scored 21 points or fewer. So that inconsistency did directly translate to the Heat losing some games as well. That also dropped his numbers after the Bucks series. So in the final three rounds of the playoffs, he averaged 23.8 points per game, 42% from the field, and 31% from three. So that drop off and that inconsistency is the main reason why I had him down at nine on this list, despite being just three wins away from the NBA championship. Um, I, but like, honestly, as I was staring closely at it and again, I was just, just on the fence for almost every single guy in this top 10. I'm still on the fence as we move on day by day, but I just think the guys above Jimmy on this list are better than him right now. Um, and had enough playoff success or winning success during the season to justify having them there for the time being. But again, as it pertains to Luca, like I, I just can't because even with all of that, even with the inconsistency, even with the somewhat average final three playoff rounds, he finished the playoff run averaging 27, 7, and 6 on 57% true shooting and was the clear best player on a team that got three wins away from an NBA championship, knocked out the two best records in the league, knocked out two guys above him on this list. Like, come on, man. How can I put him below Luka? How, in my right mind, can I watch him actually do that in games and put him below Luka? Again, if we just look at the skill sets, it's all theoretical. We play the games to determine results. And for me on my list, I'm always going to reward guys who win basketball games. And I'm going to, at least for the, at least temporarily, 
give guys lower spots on the list when they have seasons where the winning doesn't follow for one reason or another. Um, why does Jimmy always seem to go up a level in the postseason? I think this is a super interesting topic because every year when this happens, everyone freaking loses their mind and goes, oh my gosh, it's playoff Jimmy, it's playoff Jimmy. But it's super unique to me, uh, but at the same time, it's explainable with basketball concepts. So I want to dive into that a little bit. I want to start on the defensive end here because I think it's the most important element. Jimmy's postseason numbers really aren't that impressive, right? Like even as I read, read those number 27, 7, and 6, like that's pretty on par with like what what Jamal Murray averaged in this playoff run, right? So like what is it statistically that's impressive? Nothing particularly, right? But at the same time, he keeps winning these huge playoff games and series against guys that we always thought were better than him. So in the basketball game, not the box score, in the basketball game, Jimmy stays winning. And why do we think that is? I think we have to start with the defensive end of the floor. Jimmy is a defensive playmaker on the perimeter. He gets compared to Michael Jordan a lot, and I don't really see that much offensively, but I do see it on the defensive end of the floor. Michael Jordan was a super aggressive defensive playmaker on the perimeter that forced a ton of turnovers and got out in transition. That is Jimmy's bread and butter, whether it's poking the ball away from ball handlers in the dribble pocket to playing passing lanes. He is constantly jumping things, forcing turnovers, and leading to easy baskets the other way. Here's another crazy stat for you. Since the 2019 bubble, Jimmy Butler leads the entire NBA in playoff steals by a mile. He has 138 steals in that span. Nobody else in the league has even cracked 100. Take a guess who's number two. If you guessed Kawhi Leonard, you were correct. Um, but in my opinion, he's arguably the best defensive playmaker in the league, which is why it was so genius to put him on Jalen Brown to break his confidence in game seven of the Eastern conference finals. It's why him and Bam Adebayo were by far the most effective duo guarding the Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic pick and roll in or two man game in this postseason. just Jimmy's ridiculous ability to chase over the top, which allowed Bam Adebayo to stay home and battle with Jokic. And he pressured Jamal Murray into a lot of tough shots. In fact, four of the Nuggets' lowest scoring games in this postseason were against Miami. And I thought Jimmy and Bam were the key driving force behind that defensive success. I also thought that also that played a pretty significant role in Miami's offense sputtering and Jimmy and Bam's offense sputtering at times. I thought it had a lot to do with the amount of energy they were expending to slow down Denver successfully compared to their peers, although in a loss. Um, he was also super valuable in Miami's zone, playing in gaps and baiting the Celtics into making bad passes and forcing turnovers. That defensive element is a legit advantage that Jimmy has over his peers, and it's a big part of why he keeps beating them in these big games, and that is a big part of why I have him as high on this list as I do. On the offensive end, it's all the usual stuff. He's an excellent athlete at his position, especially when it comes to strength, so he does not have trouble getting to his spots in the physical environment of the NBA playoffs. He is a versatile and creative scorer that very rarely does the same thing twice. He's got variety. As you're guarding him, you don't go, oh, I know he's going to this move next. You're like, oh shit, what's he going to do next? And that variety is a huge part of his success. He's a rim-pressuring forward that can make plays for his teammates. Everyone looks at Miami's shooting success is just random hot shooting, but a lot of it has to do with Jimmy setting up his teammates for great looks out of rim pressure. He passed out of pick and roll ISO or post-up situations to spot up shooters 121 times 
in this postseason run, and the Heat scored 153 points on those possessions. That is off the charts good. That is 1.26 points per possession. That's worth almost as much as a Michael Porter Jr. catch and shoot three when he's open. Like that, that is that is ridiculous performance down the roster for the Miami Heat because of the playmaking ability of Jimmy Butler. He's a super active off-ball player. He scored 106 points in this playoff run, either cutting to the basket or spotting up on the perimeter, and he bolsters his numbers with easy baskets in dirty work. He had 80 points in transition during this playoff. He had 31 points just on offensive rebound putbacks and fouls in this postseason run. So, you know, at the end of the day, Jimmy is just a winning basketball player. It will never be properly displayed in box score numbers or in the awards that he wins, but it'll be resoundingly displayed in the simple fact that he's always playing in late May and June. He wins basketball games, which is the entire reason why we do this, and that is why I have him as the ninth best basketball player in the world. Let's chat about how to get what you need for your home when you don't have a lot of cash or credit. You can do that at Aaron's. Rent to own appliances, furniture, and tech from top brands like HP, Samsung, and Ashley. But say you don't need it anymore, no problem. At Aaron's, you can return your product at any time or even upgrade it for something new. Life's always changing. With Aaron's, your stuff can change right along with it. Keep it, return it, upgrade it. Aaron's fits your life instead of the other way around. Approval isn't guaranteed, and some restrictions apply. See your local store for details. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary.